Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy you're spending some time with us on a Super Bowl Tuesday. Zay, are you getting pumped? Are you feeling it? Are you are you ready for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm ready. It's going to be a nice little kickback at my mom's crib, you know, mom and pop's house. We usually celebrate everybody's birthdays because we have a lot of birthdays in my family in February. So we always celebrate it by watching the Super Bowl. And obviously the food comes with it. And, you know, my mom, she'd be whipping it up. So I'm excited about that probably more than the game right now. Um, watching the little media Whatever the hell that was yesterday, you know, with the 49ers and the Chiefs, that got me a little bit more pumped up. It was definitely Viking um, 49ers city there. But, yeah, I'm as pumped up as I guess I'm, you know, would be with no dog in the fight. I don't know. How about you? Yeah, man. I am pumped. I am ready. Um, Bring it on. Yeah, yeah, you're I mean, a lot more chipper, no pun intended, this week than you were last week. You know, I like yeah. that. You seem like you're fully over the line. <laughs> Why you say it like that? <laughs> you say it like that. Well, every, like you're fully every, over every, what the Lions put you through. Every once in a while, I will just say the Lions should be in this game. I mean, but what can you do? What can you do? Yeah. So I'm just, yeah. I mean, how, was the media day thing, anything? I haven't seen it like that before. I don't know. Maybe I haven't paid attention to the media day events in the past, but to have those guys like mic'd up, you know, when they're talking to Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy and Fred Warner and Chris Jones and stuff and, the Chiefs are just getting booed, like booed, <laughs> dog. And if I'm a 49ers player and fan, I don't like that because they don't need any more motivation. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a team that's won two championships in the last five years. They don't need any type of motivation in this game. They know what's at stake. So that boo the hell out of them like they did last night, like you're booing Travis Kelsey just brutally. Because obviously the Taylor Swift stuff, but hell, you're going against them. And I get it. It was 49er City up in Vegas. But, yo, if I'm Brock Purdy, I'm like, yo, man, I don't want any of that extra shit going on. I just want it to be, you know, as even kill as possible. But you got Chris Jones talking about getting fired up and Travis Kelsey saying the same thing and Patrick Mahomes, those guys all getting booed. Like, hell yeah, that should piss you off. Like those guys are competitors. Like, yeah, they're going to use anything extra to get fired up. So I thought that was interesting checking that out last night. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm part of me is like, this is, this is like totally surreal, this whole Chiefs Taylor Swift thing. But listen, man, I love a good storyline like the rest of the world. And I just keep coming back to the fact that 
Taylor Swift didn't ask for any of this. And she has no idea how, if this thing would have gone sideways, how she would have been vilified by Chiefs Nation. Now Chiefs fans are like, Taylor's going to be there, right? Taylor's going to be there. Taylor, Taylor, you're going to be there? Are you going to come back from your shows in Asia? I mean, it's like, it's going to be bonkers. Yeah, you know, I, again, like I said last week, I've been, I need to see them more together. You know, you've seen a couple of flicks when they're holding hands and stuff. That's real cute. But what I saw after the AFC championship game, when they're on the field and Travis Kelsey is boohooing and all types of shit, and she's kissing up on them and hugging on them, like, yo, man. Like I tell you all the time, like I tell the people all the time, your boy Zay loves love, love a good love story, watch a good rom-com any chance I get, but it has to be funny. It can't just be no, you know, notebook type stuff. It has to be rom-com, like calm, all caps, but for real, like I see the love. I see it. It ain't no phony, you know, situation. It ain't no gimmick. It ain't no bit. It's real love. I don't know how long it lasts, but hey, you wish them the best. Like, I'm not with all the haters and stuff. They don't show her that much. You're right. She doesn't ask for this. Like, she's supporting her man. Supporting her man. She just happens to be the biggest entertainer in the world right now. And Travis Kelsey is a Hall of Fame tight end. So, you know, way more for... I didn't even know if they could work. You call him a meathead, like, yo, the dude has some serious luggage with former women, former women talking about how he used to act. Like, there was a story about his ex saying how Travis didn't pay for nothing. Like, they split things, like, half and half. He's a millionaire making all this paper chip. I don't know what she did, but she wasn't no pro football player. She wasn't no pro football player like Travis Kelsey, perennial pro bowler either. And she was talking about, yeah, she, we go places and we split that thing down the middle. And it's like, damn, Kelsey, I mean, the play in me says, cool, yo, you, <laughs> hey, keep your money, dog. You don't want to go broke like some of these other dudes and be on part two of the 30 for 30. But the, you know, gentleman side of me saying, damn, bro, like you couldn't pay for a couple of meals. You couldn't pay for, you know, rent. Or the mortgage, bro? I don't, I don't know. So that's the fact that they're together. I hope it works out. But I would have never expected these two to be a thing with her track record and, you know, where she is right. in her career and his. Can you can you bootleg a picture? Oh, yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. And she was a sister. Yeah. Yeah. Travis Kelsey loved this coffee black. Come on, man. I, I want to say his previous two uh, former exes were of the African descent. But, okay. I, you know, so again, for him, to, I didn't expect him to go this way. Like Travis Kelsey, people think that Travis Kelsey invented the fade. Like, have you seen that story going around, the haircut? <laughs> like, white people are getting the Travis Kelsey cut and calling it the Travis Kelsey cut when really That's it's so just, scary. That is so it's scary. just a fade. Like, everybody That's... gets their fade different. Like, my fade's different, but it's a fade. I'm not going in asking for the Travis Kelsey. And well, he did a good that... job yesterday talking about it. I, I love that Kyle used Chef's wife 
who came up with that down coat with Kelsey's jersey number on it for Taylor Swift and now has an NFL licensing agreement is the one who came up with that jacket that's now taking the NFL by storm. It's it's basically a North, okay. It looks like a North Face jacket in red, Chiefs red with his 87 on it. And Taylor Swift's been wearing it. And now Kyle Yuschef's wife, the 49ers fullback is the one who's who's cleaning up. I love that, man. That's America right there. That's, That's America. America. Uh, yeah. That's America. Yeah. yeah, I saw uh, Simone Biles. At its finest. A 49ers wife is the one putting out a jacket for, for Travis Kelsey's girlfriend. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, and Kyle Juszczyk, he supports his woman. Like He's always retweeting her stuff, saying, hey, my woman made these jackets, support her. And that's a, probably a big reason why she got that partnership with the National Football League. But, yeah, man, she's made jackets for Simone Biles, and you mentioned Taylor Swift. There's a couple of more people, and I'm sure she's going to continue doing great stuff now that, again, she has that partner in agreement. But, yeah, Chad, okay, here's Travis Kelsey's ex, Kayla Nicole. Bam! Okay, is she the one who's bagging on him? Uh I think so. There's a couple. Like he was. I don't ever know out. what. I don't ever know what to believe about what exes say about each other, man. Oh yeah, you gotta take it with a grain of salt. You know, some can but, just be scorned and hateful. You know. But you know me, I will tell you what Travis Kelsey has made in his career. I'm all about it. He has made. Well, he signed. His. He's made seventy six point nine million dollars. For football, that's pretty darn good. It's pretty good for a tight end. That's ridiculous. Yeah, for a tight end. (laughs) Good grief. Uh. 11 seasons. Yeah. And and he's smart too cuz now he's really going to be able to save that paper. Tom Tom Brady paved the way for everybody. Tom Brady paved the way for everybody. I'm chilling. Oh babe, you got this. Where are you taking us now? She travels everywhere to perform. All you got to do is go with her. That's free vacation. And you uh, there for all support. over the world. All over the world, the most beautiful resorts and hotels and stuff. Five star Six star just because it's Taylor Swift, they're making up stars. They're creating stars. Like, they're creating stars. They're Where they stars. stand. Hell yeah. Travis Kelsey, come on, man. We need to applaud him. We need to salute him. That dude, you out here calling the meathead and stuff. He's came a long way. He's came a long way. And yeah, old girl, Jackie Wright, she probably went for Bill. Half a Bill. Shoes. The Eras tour was ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Performing at the same place over and over again. Just staying at one spot for a whole week. She was in L.A., I want to say, for like a whole week, just performing that that crypto over and over and over again. I remember when Kobe hung her jersey in the rafters. Remember that? She performed there when Kobe was alive, God bless his soul, and like – she was just selling out so so many times. Kobe and the Lakers were so impressed and bringing in so much paper. They were like, yo, you need to hang your jersey in the rafters, Taylor, because 
you're that ridiculous. You're that big time. And yeah, man, she just supporting her, man. Now, her music, not for me. Not for me. It's not my thing. That's a whole different story. You know, uh, that's just not for me. She's dropping a new album. I don't know what it's going to be about because I feel like she's made her, you know, name off of old relationships. So she's happy now. You know, is it going? She's about to, you know, turn a new wave. We'll see how it goes. Well, this is this is going to be hilarious. They're already teasing some of these commercials, Super Bowl commercials. Do you get fired up for the Super Bowl commercials? I do. Yeah, I like a good Super Bowl commercial. I remember the year that crypto and all that shit was popular, and that's all you saw. Every other commercial was a crypto commercial. That was a brutal time. That was definitely the worst year. But overall, yeah, I like a good commercial with some good cameos and whatnot. My favorite all time. My favorite all time is that uh, that Faith Hill commercial, the flowers commercial, where she's like, he was like, I was going to speak my mind. You know, he's like trying to send. Um. The uh, he's like trying to get this girl to notice him, and he's like, I was gonna send her something, but it sounds stupid. And Faith Hill's like, No, no, go ahead, speak your mind. And he's like, Dear, what's her face? Your rack is amazing. And she's oh, like, Wow, yeah, maybe we should have kept that one uh, to ourselves. <laughs> I'll, I'll find it, but yeah. I mean, I love Faith Hill. Yeah, man. God, she was on that hey, yellow spinoff. Man, what you? What happened to Toby Keith? Oh yeah, that's sad. Yeah, I, just, I was like, whoa, how old was he? Uh, not that old. I want to say he was in the sixties. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. R.I.P. Toby Keith. Red Solo Cup, baby. It's a jam. Man, he was big sooner. Was he really? Oh, big. Big. He hung out with Barry all the time. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, man. He was 62. Damn. What the? Yeah. CB says stomach cancer. Uh, Gone too soon. Now, Rolling Stone said Toby Keith opened the door for Taylor Swift's big break back in 2005. He uh, he entered into a, a joint venture with Scott Borchetta uh, to launch Big Machine Records, and that was the first label that Taylor Swift signed with. Huh. So, there you go. Yeah. That, uh, that worked out. I think. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. But, uh, yeah. Okay, did you watch any of the Super Bowl media day last night? The little 11-year-old guy, Jeremiah? Yeah, I watched the- that. Yeah, I like my man. That he dude. was killing it. He was killing it. Yeah. He had Pat He had Pat Mahomes pick out a, an entire fantasy football team of, of former greats, like, all-time great. So, like, he took 
Barry Sanders with his first running back pick. And Pat Mahomes took Earl Campbell. Yeah. Come on, man. Hey, he's from that area. Like, he should know. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like, he is from that area of Texas where Earl Campbell was a legend. Yep. So, yeah, he better know. He better know his roots. That's what I'm saying, man. He's such a student of the game and stuff. Like, those are the scariest guys. The scariest guys like Brady's and the Manning's and they just eat, sleep, and shit football. That's all they do. That's all they do. He got that kid and stuff, but you, Brittany Matthews, she lets him be him. You know what I'm saying? She loves football so much, she lets him be him. She's at every game screaming and stuff. Say what you want about her. Talk about hating stuff like that. I've grown to like me some Brittany Mahomes. You know what I'm and saying? How about, how about the fact that when – they were in high school together. She was with some other guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was trying to get her attention, trying to get her attention. And now look at her life. Yeah. Dude slipped up. Whoever that um, dude that she was with, he was like, you know what? You a little crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, I'm not that good. You know what I'm saying? I'm not that good. Whatever he was doing, he ain't Patrick Mahomes level, no matter what the hell he was doing. He could have been in band. He could have been in drama. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't doing anything that Patrick Mahomes was doing, which was playing three different sports and then being a three-star quarterback. Come on, man. That's ridiculous. Like the athleticism of Patrick Mahomes doesn't get talked about enough. Like the dude played three different sports, all varsity level. He hooped, played baseball like Pops, and then obviously he was a solid football player that Cliff Kingsbury said, oh, man, this guy could be special if he's in the right system that buys in. And Patrick Mahomes' love for the game, going back to my original point, has proven that, hey, if you put athleticism together with the love for the game and work ethic, you could be something special. And – Hey, here he goes, going for his third Super Bowl in five years. Crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. And I was listening to Alex Smith, who, of course, was the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback when the Chiefs drafted Pat Mahomes. And Alex Smith said that Andy Reid had a fascination with Mahomes beginning with his freshman year at Texas Tech. So, and Alex Smith said they were very upfront with him about their intentions to move up and draft Patrick Mahomes. And Alex Smith said, you know, when Mahomes Mahomes came into the Chiefs organization, he said Mahomes was like perfectly respectful, deferential, um, to Alex Smith and and was like, hey, man, I didn't ask for this. You didn't ask for this, but here we are. I just want to do what's best for the team. And Alex Smith was like, absolutely. And, and away they went. I mean, Alex Smith has nothing but good things to say about Pat Mahomes and the way that he came into the league and as a teammate. Let's bring in our man, Chris Hummer, National College football writer for 24-7 Sports. Hummer, 
How you doing? Doing great, y'all. One day to National Signing Day. Uh, I don't even know if people pay attention to that day anymore, but uh, vibes are good. Lower. Well, that's why we bring you in, my man. So real quick on Pat Mahomes, because Cliff Kingsbury obviously offered Pat Mahomes when no one else was offering him. He was a three-star quarterback out of White House, Texas. And Cliff Kingsbury, who I got nothing but good things to say about Cliff Kingsbury. Apparently, the Raiders wouldn't give him a three-year deal. That's the kind of BS that's getting floated around. I'm perfectly certain that the Redskins or whatever, the Commanders, whoever the hell they are, wanted wanted Kingsbury because they're going to go get Caleb Williams, a native of Washington, D.C., Hummer. What do you think? Well, I guess like with the Raiders, I think they're paying like four coaches now. So you got to save money somewhere, right? Like, um, but yeah, no, I agree. Cliff Kingsbury is an excellent coordinator. Um, and I think he'll do a really good job in Washington. And if you're Washington, a franchise that hasn't had any hope since Robert Griffin was a rookie, basically, it feels like it's been a long time um, since they've had anything to latch on to. If you have an opportunity to go up and get Caleb Williams, a native of Washington, you have an opportunity to bring him home, bring build the franchise around him. I don't know why you wouldn't. Yeah, uh, I I really, if I was Washington, that would be my target. I would pay whatever you have to pay Chicago to go get him and uh, make it work. Now, RG3 was a total drama queen in Washington and helped get Mike Shanahan fired because of the whether RG3 really had a knee injury or not. And I mean, the Shanahans were like, are you kidding me? And remember who was on the staff of that Shanahan team in Washington. It was Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur. It was crazy. The who's who of that coaching staff in Washington and RG three blew it all up. Well, I don't want to make any assumptions about Caleb Williams' future, but you're going to get a little bit of something uh, with that family um, and Carl Williams. Like, you're going to have to you're going to have to deal with some stuff a lot like what you had to deal with Robert Griffin. Uh, maybe not from Caleb directly, but as we've seen, Caleb is not short on controversies in his career as well. Some of them of his own making. So um, I'll be very curious about that, but. I, I still, I mean, I watched a lot of, I watched a ton of college football, obviously, and I love Drake May. I love Jaden Daniels, but there's only one Caleb Williams in this class. And I think you got to figure out a way to make it work. And this is not somebody like Robert Griffin, who, um, in addition to bringing some off field drama, also had some legitimate questions going into that draft, um, both in terms of coming out of that deer and shoot system he was at at Baylor, which is difficult to translate, and his um, ability to get hurt. This is a, no doubt prospect in my mind. Um, I would I would make it work with Caleb Williams. Although, like, if Washington, as a Cowboys fan, wants to avoid Caleb Williams and just, like, stay there and draft Drake May or take Jaden Daniels, I'd be, I'd be perfectly content with that if they want to make that happen. Yeah, Homer, that's just kind of like the word going around right now with the draft coming up is that Drake May might not be as good as advertised. And, yeah, he might not have had the best year under Mac Brown in 2023, but I don't know. I just think it's interesting that which everybody starts to break you down when it comes to the draft. Your weakness is way more than your strengths. But I just find it interesting that Drake May is just getting so much knock right now instead of the love that he got before the season even started i'm surprised too like 
I mean, like, I don't want to make stereotypes or assumptions, but Drake May is like the physical profile of a quarterback NFL teams have loved for generations, right? This is a six foot four, like 230 pound guy. And on top of that, he's probably the best athlete at the position between him and Caleb Williams, at least. Like, Drake May is an excellent runner. Caleb's a good to above average runner, but not on Drake May's level on the open field. Jade Daniels is obviously a different conversation. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised um, that that conversation has shifted around Drake May. Um, I think he sees the field really well. I think he's really tough. He got hit a lot at North Carolina. Um, he can obviously run the football as well. Um, I wonder, he only had one system outside of Phil Long, one year outside of Phil Longo's system, um, which is maybe not the best for NFL development um, at times. But I still think he's got all the tools to be a upper tier NFL quarterback. And I like Jaden Daniels a lot, but I still think Caleb Williams and Drake May are in kind of a tier by themselves, at least, at least in my opinion. Yeah. I, I mean, who's, who's the guy who kind of you think is flying under the radar at the quarterback position Hummer? Uh, you know, is it Michael Penix? Is it Michael Pratt? Is there a guy you like who's not getting the top end of the first round love? I have a hard, I mean, maybe it's just because I saw what he get, did against Texas, you know what I mean? But like, I have a hard time overlooking Michael Penix um, in this conversation. I think the most important skill as a quarterback is your ability to process and your ability to see the field. Um, that is paramount above everything. Um, it's more important than arm talent. It's more important than your ability to scramble. It's more important than your ability to throw off platform. It's your ability to process and read a field. And nobody in this draft class does that better than Michael Penix. Part of that is because he's been in college forever. Um, he's a six-year senior, but he just sees the field in a way that's pretty unique. And he's got one of the best arms in this class as well. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy enough over the long term um, to be a long-term starter in the NFL, but I remember this time last year, there was a lot of concern about Hendon Hooker um, being too old um, after the season he had at Tennessee. But Hendon Hooker was a far more concerning prospect, in my opinion, than Michael Penix. Not only was Hendon Hooker in an advantageous offense um, that didn't have a lot of pro-style principles at Tennessee, but he had some of of Michael Penix's injury concerns. He had a weaker arm than Michael Penix as well. And this is still somebody who I believe went in the second round. And if I'm going to make a bet on somebody, I'm going to make a bet on somebody like Michael Penix who sees the field the way he does. And I don't, I don't know if it seals the right word. I'd be a little leery of him given his injury history. Um, you don't tear your ACL in two different knees um, and make me feel really good about your prospect of playing 10 years in the league. But I think he is somebody that if he stays healthy, could be a long-term NFL quarterback. Hendon Hooker of the Detroit Lions. Back when they thought they needed a uh, Jared Goff um what a contingency plan potentially and instead jared goff turned like i mean that trade just chip i know you're just probably think about that trade they made with the made with the uh uh rams all the time but that's going to be one of the all-time fades and trades in the lion's favor um if this plays out the way it did oh yeah 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 no goff was he was big time he was the grown-up in the room on all the with all those little young emerging stars like Sam Laporta and Panay Sewell and Amon Ross St. Brown. So yeah, I'm perfectly content. I just need my coach to go back to Dan Campbell and not Dan Gamble. 
because there is no way they should have lost that game. Yeah. You trademark that chip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's still hurting, Homer. Um, you know, okay, I thought of another example of a coach that pissed it all away. How about Bill O'Brien? Remember when the Texans were up big against the Chiefs? Yeah. And he went for a fake. He went for a fake punt, and it backfired. On the road, and the Chief, it was an avalanche after that. They, they they beat them by 21. Like, the Texans were up, what? 21, I want to say. Over, yeah, maybe I think over they were up 24. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote back. What are you doing? <laughs> and now Bill O'Brien might be the head coach of the Boston College Eagles. So life's going good for him, right? You know, like go from coaching NFL franchise to bottom tier ACC team. That was the beginning of the end of Bill O'Brien, by the way. If you go back and trace it, going for it on that fake punt against the Chiefs. Yeah. He wore too many hats in Houston anyway. I was. And he wanted more hats. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted all the hats. Guy's yeah. a douche. <laughs> Hey, Hummer, how good is Malik Neighbors, man? Because I think Roma Dumze, I to me, he was the second best wide receiver after Marvin Harrison Jr., but I'm starting to see more and more reports on the former LSU Tiger being like a top five guy. Is he that good? Or is it was Jaden Daniels that good this season? I think it was both. Um, I actually think part of Jaden's problem early in his career was he was unwilling to put the ball um, – and potentially in inopportune places for somebody like Malik Neighbors to go up and make plays. But um, I think Malik was one of the best contested catch players in all of football this year. Um, he had 10-plus contested catches this season. Um, Jaden Daniels often put the ball just out for grabs, and he was able to make plays. Um, I don't think he's quite on the same level as like maybe Jamar Chase from a couple of years ago, another um, top five receiver. He doesn't have that high end athletic upside that Jamar Chase did. Um, but this is somebody who has shown um, the ability to play inside and outside. Um, he has outstanding jump ball ability. Um, he is okay after the catch, not elite, but good. Um, and he just makes a lot of plays. Um, personally, I prefer Roma Duze as the flavor that I would rather draft if I was them. They're two very different prospects. Um, that's the direction I would go. I'd rather have the person who's far more dynamic in the open field. But I think Malik Neighbors is a worthy um, top 10 potential draft pick in this um, class. I, I would not put him on the same level as Marvin Harrison. I'd probably choose Roman Duze over him. But I think he'll be a very good NFL receiver. Yeah. Roman Duze. That dude is the truth. Um. All right, so were you following the Senior Bowl at all, Hummer? Christian uh, Jones and Tavondre Sweat. They both got some positive reviews. Um, I watched the Senior Bowl. Tavondre Sweat didn't have a statistic, but he was. they weren't running at him either. So everything was to the outside and in the passing game. Yeah, I, I watched some of it. Um, I thought Tavondre Sweat plays well. And as we know, Tavondre Sweat is one of those players whose um, contributions aren't always going to pop up in a box score. Um, you have to really be paying attention. And, I mean, you don't even really have to be paying attention. Um, you saw it all the year for Texas. Like, teams were unwilling to run inside, and that's because of Tavondre Sweat. Um, and his his um, additions as a penetrator inside were just gravy. 
uh, when you consider the effect he has on an offense in the run game. So I think you saw a little bit of that in the senior bowl. Um, I can't say I watched a ton of senior bowl um, action. I probably should have. I know it was an off week for football, but I was traveling and helping uh, my family with some stuff. But um, yeah, it seemed the reports on Tavondre seems positive. Yeah. Hummer, do you think Ryan Watts is better suited for a safety spot on the next level, or do you think he's just going to try to stick it out as a corner? Because, you know, he's 6'3", bigger. You know, he's a little injury prone, but at his all-star game, they had him playing safety, and he might be better suited for that on the next level. I can definitely see that, and I think there were some people at Ohio State that thought Ryan Watts would be a better um, safety long-term than a cornerback. And I think that had a little bit to do with um, him choosing to move on. And obviously um, Texas was much better when Ryan Watts was healthy and playing cornerback. But I think that had a lot to do with the options that were out there for Texas as opposed to uh, Ryan Watts' strengths there. But um, Ryan Watts, if you put him at safety, he's rangy. Um, he has good hands, um, especially coming from the cornerback position. Um, he can attack downhill. Uh, getting hurt all the time is a little concerning when you have to have uh, somebody potentially play in the box, like he would be required to at safety at times. But um, in terms of a free safety, you can cover a lot of ground and make plays in the ball with his length. I think there's certainly some um, upside with Ryan Watson's safety. Yeah. Um, I've been telling Zay, I think Byron Murphy is, his stock is, rising um he is really similar in measurables to aaron donald and he's super strong and athletic i saw you smiling there hummer i'm just saying this dude's best football is ahead of him i see him in the top 15 of every mock draft i've i've looked at I think he's going to go higher in once he works out and, you know, goes to the combine and all that. Your thoughts? Well, he's going to be, he's certainly going to be the highest defensive lineman taken for Texas since Malcolm Brown, right? Like there's no question yeah. about that. He's going to go no doubt. much higher than what Malcolm Brown did, I believe. And he went last pick in the first round. 30, 31st or 32nd that year, right? Oh, was it? Yeah, maybe, yeah, one of the last two picks. Yeah. And I, I certainly think Byron Murphy has the ability to be a, I guess it's not a lottery pick. This is not the NBA, but I, I expect him to be in the first half of the first round. Um, and there just aren't a lot of people that size who move like Byron Murphy. Um, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd go the Aaron Donald route, but maybe over the long term if he develops. Um, but he is somebody who's shown an ability to penetrate inside um, and collapse a pocket, which I mean, it depends on what you're looking for for a defensive lineman, but I think that's the most valuable skill at that position, somebody who can disrupt um, from the inside. And that's just – it's so crippling for an offense, uh, for guards and centers to essentially get pulverized on a play. Uh, quarterbacks want to step up into the pocket. They don't want to have to move. Um, and somebody like Byron Murphy or Aaron Donald, what he's done for so long, is make that impossible because he is going to get in the backfield and make things difficult on the quarterback. And we saw Byron Murphy do that this year consistently. Um, I'll be curious how he tests. I would have to go look back at some of his high school times and his numbers to get a sense of what that's going to look like. But if that comes in at an elite level, like I think Byron Murphy has the possibility to be one of the first couple of defensive players off the board. I mean, what is a pretty 
I don't, I don't want to say a weak defensive class, but a offensive heavy draft board. I think Byron Murphy has a way to, an opportunity to push very high um, in this draft cycle. Yeah. And he just turned 21 in September. CB so, with the facts. CB with the facts. Shout out to CB. Um, best CB, best volunteer producer in the history of radio. <laughs> Hands down. Uh, just a must, a must follow for everybody. It's a text long for yeah. I'm sure everybody does, but CB's the best. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hummer, I know you saw Carson Beck get the Lamborghini today. NIL is just ridiculous, but hey, his team is picked to win it all if you go look at Vegas and whatnot. Uh, we know that matchup when they come to DKR later in the season is going to be huge. Who would you take right now, Carson Beck or Quinn Ewers? I'd probably take Carson back. He's a little more consistent um, at this point. If you're talking about ceiling, I'm taking Quinn Ewers 10 out of 10 times. But if you're talking about um, somebody who is going to play at a steady level and keep you in a game, it's Carson Beck at this point. Um, and to be honest, like I think Carson Beck's got better car game than Quinn Ewers at this point. So Carson, I think uh, I think Carson also has a Hellcat, I believe. Um, oh so Quinn might, need to, Quinn might need to step it up. Like, uh, just needs to figure it out. Do y'all hey. mind? Do y'all mind if I come up with a topic real quick? I don't want to like, uh, oh, yeah, come on, man. This is NIL related, and it, I just wanted to, I, I guess, it's plugging. I want to talk about an article I wrote today on NIL. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, oh. I went to the All American Bowl, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a high school all star game. A uh, hundred plus of the best players in the country gather in San Antonio. And what I wanted to do was talk to a lot of players about like what their NIL actually looks like. We see a lot of numbers thrown out there uh, by various outside entities. Um, those are not always accurate. So I just wanted to ask guys like straight up, like, what are you getting from an NIL standpoint per year? Um, and I talked to 15 blue trip recruits who kind of took me inside of that. And I thought some of the answers were interesting. Um, you've got players at annual top 10 programs making only like seventy-two dollars to $75,000 a year in that article. And then you've got some elite players making mid-six figures. And then there's a couple guys who demand a million a year, essentially. Um, and if anybody's interested in what recruits actually make from an NIL standpoint, I would encourage them to check out that article. I think it's really interesting perspective for something that's always kind of clouded in secrecy because none of this stuff is public. We can't FOIA it like we would coaching contracts. It's not out there. And a lot of recruits kind of opened up about what their numbers look like in that story. Yeah, I just retweeted it. So you can go to my Twitter, uh, Chip Brown 247 to um, to click on Hummer's story about what's really going on in NIL. Hummer, have you paid attention to what the SEC and Big Ten are trying to do to bring some leadership to college football. I mean, anytime I hear about these conferences forming an alliance, my eyes roll back in my head, but these are the two conferences that are going to, we should just call them the ESPN conference, SEC, and the Fox conference, Big Ten. Um, but these are the two conferences that are going to shape the landscape of college football for years to come. Any thoughts? 
Well, I, I guess my first thought would be if I'm Brett Yormark or Jim Phillips, I'm wondering if my invitation got lost in the mail, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it got lost on purpose. I think they that need, they don't need any Chihuahua dogs like Brett Yormark trying to draw attention to himself. And I think that's, I actually think that's the biggest takeaway from all this. I mean, obviously leadership is needed in college football and a change is needed. The current landscape is untenable. Um, and I think we're inching closer and closer to college football breaking away from the NCAA and forming its own entity. Um, but I think more than anything, it's a signal that the Big Ten and the SEC are taking control of the sport. We've obviously seen that happen behind the scenes with realignment by but with them failing to include the two other power four conferences, I think it really signals that those two conferences and those two commissioners believe they are the pace setters in college football, believe they are at the top of the mountain in college football, and everybody else is going to have to just get in line behind them. Otherwise, you would have included the ACC um, and the Big 12 in that mix. But instead, what I think is really going to happen is um, – the SEC and the Big Ten are probably going to take who they want from those conferences moving forward, and that's just the reality of it. Yeah, yeah. Hummer, what's the thought process going into having juniors play in the All American Bowl starting in twenty twenty five? Like that's very interesting, you know. Like having another year of eligibility in high school, but playing in All Star games—that's very different. And I know we're in a new wave of all athletics, like you were just saying, with what college football might turn into, you know, by leaving the NCAA. But this is also just another, you know, little fix of what's going on. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. Personally, just on this side of it, I like it because I think this year the top six quarterbacks in the 2024 class declined to participate in all-star games because they enrolled early. Um, so that just kind of provides you a window into that. Like the top players aren't playing in these games as often anymore because the large majority of players um, who signed with Power 5 schools end up enrolling early at their school of choice. And they literally have to leave school to go play in an all-star game after they're already enrolled as students. Um, and I don't think over the long term that makes sense for a lot of these college athletes to continue doing so. And I think this was kind of a forward-thinking measure uh, for these all-star games. And it makes sense for, like, if you're a rising junior, like, what better way to raise your profile than playing on national television um, in the NIL era? So I think, it's a, I think it's a partnership that makes a lot of sense. We no longer have the opening like we used to in high school recruiting. That was the annual showcase of the best high school players there are. Um, they have like national seven on sevens. You have some like camps left over out there, but there's nothing that brings the best high school players together. And if it's not going to happen after their senior seasons, I think it's really good from an evaluation standpoint for colleges and the industry that we work in, or at least uh, like I do at 24 um, seven to allow these kids to get evaluated versus light competition um, in their careers. Well, I look at this, um, by the way, how about this? Here is the, here's the Washington staff when RG3 was there. Mike, Mike Shanahan, head coach. Kyle Shanahan, offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, quarterbacks coach, Sean McVay, tight ends coach, Mike McDaniel, offensive assistant, 
Bobby Slowick was the linebackers coach. Raheem Morris was the defensive backs coach. And Richard Hightower, former Longhorn, was the uh, special teams assistant. How about that coaching staff? It's kind of like the uh, Brown staff from back in the day with like Belichick and Carol yeah. and all those people. Um, but yeah, um, shout out to RG3 for. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm also just going to blame Dan. I'm going to blame Dan Snyder for the downfall rather than RG3. Like, worst owner that's, in sports. Like he probably had a lot to do with that too. I'm sure. That's fair. Um, okay. For signing day tomorrow, Hummer. Um, we're going to talk to Hank South coming up here in the two o'clock hour, but nationally, what, uh, what are the big stories in your mind? I mean, there, honestly, there aren't a lot left. I would say the biggest is Terry Bussey. Um, he's from Timpson, Texas, um, five-star recruit currently committed to Texas A&M, but there are other schools very much pushing for Terry Bussey including LSU, which has made a really hard push at the last minute to potentially flip Terry Bussey away from Mike Elko um, and the Aggies. Um, he is by far the biggest prospect left on the board. Um, it would be a massive win for LSU to flip him. It'd be a massive win for Mike Elko and the Aggies to keep him. Um, Terry Bussey is of a level of an Evan Stewart, uh, which A&M got a year or two ago or two years ago in the 2022 class. Um, it would be a huge win for Mike Elko and, uh, I think that's going to be the tone setter for the day, uh, what Terry DeBussy decides to do. Yeah. All right. I want to give you other storylines, but I think there's only like two uncommitted four-star recruits in the whole country, maybe three. Um, so there's just not a lot left. Um, teams did, that put the uh, – Did teams Dominic, put, uh, Did Dominic McKinley sign with LSU yet or not? I don't believe he has, but he is a pretty firm commit there um, at this yeah. point. Yeah, um, I don't think there's a lot of worry uh, from an LSU standpoint about where Dominic McKinley sits right now, especially with Bo yeah. Davis having uh, joined the program. Yeah. Hummer, worst. who you like in the Super Bowl, man? We know what the Chiefs bring to the table, being the defending champs and having Patrick Mahomes, but the 49ers, they want some payback for that Super Bowl defeat a few years ago. Who you got? Uh, let's let's go Chiefs. I don't like betting against greatness and Patrick Mahomes. I think the 49ers have a better roster. And I think if the 49ers get up early, it might be a different conversation. But um, I just think it's dumb to bet against somebody as great as Patrick Mahomes. So we'll just, we'll just go with the Chiefs. Um, and hopefully uh, his family behaves afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm with you. I, I've, I've gone to uh, – everyone needs to go to BetUS right there. BetUS. And if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, click on that link. That is the Texas Sports Unfiltered BetUS link. Get your Super Bowl bets down. Um, Chiefs are going to win. Pacheco – Take whatever the over is for his rushing yards, maybe and receiving yards. I think he's going to end up being the key to the game, even though they'll give the MVP to Mahomes. Yeah. Mahomes will make good decisions. What even, not, not, not that Andy Reid won't, but 
So we don't we don't want to make a bet that Kadarius Tony will be Super Bowl MVP. Uh, <laughs> okay. Did anyone else hear his interview with Michael Robinson, where he tried no. to explain himself? I couldn't understand a word he was saying. I was like, he got a lot of crackhead in him. You can't help oh him. My God. Yeah. I mean, you knew he was trouble going back to his days at Florida. Wasn't he? Didn't he have like a rap album, Hummer? That was super explicit and just not what you wanted from like Keelan Robinson has his rap album. Keelan Robinson's pretty creative, and I might be biased there, but whatever. Kadarius Tony's his was, you know, seriously gangster stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of yeah. told you the player that you were Young in New York. Young Joker. Yeah, I would say Kadarius is is not the guy you want doing your program's interviews, um, largely um, in general. And uh, there were certainly some questions about him at Florida, I think, but an undeniably talented player who, uh, in his mind, I think is the best receiver in the NFL as long as he's healthy enough to play. I he think was it's so weird. Good in the Super Bowl last year. Oh yeah, no, he's got the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. I think it's yeah, weird. I mean, like the Chiefs, the Chiefs don't win a Super Bowl last year without Kadarius Tony. Like, yeah, he, he, I mean, he's gonna go down in Chiefs history. It's just, um, yeah, the I think good the and most the difficult thing to do in life is be consistent. And I think Kadarius Tony is one of those people who struggles with consistency. He was directly responsible for two of their losses, including the Lions. He dropped three passes, one went right through his hands to Brian Branch, who returned it for a, a pick six. I'm eternally grateful to Kadarius Tony for allowing Brian Branch to have a pick six in his first NFL football game. And then he lined up offsides and killed the best play of the year when Travis Kelsey lateraled to Kadarius Tony for a touchdown that would have beaten the Bills. And my man Zay was so mad at Mahomes for losing his mind after that game. But that was all Kadarius Tony. I think it's weird that they let him come to the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, you've made him inactive five straight weeks. What, now you're going to bring him and maybe make him active for the Super Bowl? Come on, Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, he is the type of player you put him on a punt return can change the game for you. Maybe don't maybe don't put him on the field if you need a Hail Mary at the end of the game, but um, otherwise could help you in situations. If you're Kyle Shanahan, you got to prepare for him a little bit because you know he's there. He's there. That's a good point. Maybe you just bring him along to make Kyle Shanahan think. That dude is a wild and young joker. That's his album. <laughs> I'm going to go find I'll find his SoundCloud right after this and listen to I'm definitely going to bump that out of the show. Play With Me is the – it's the song that popped up when you uh, Google it. I feel like it's probably a ponder of some sort. All right, Hummer, you're uh, you're the best. We love it. Um, will things slow down for you a little bit after signing day? Even though signing day is not that. Yeah, shout out, shout out to the dead period. Uh, life is good. We got until. And got everybody until about- go to my Twitter, Chip Brown two four seven, and click on Hummer's story about. NIL and what student athletes are really getting the range 
So real quick, before we let you go, this uh, CB brings up the alleged, everybody thinks Arch Manning's, you know, banking millions from Texas's NIL collective. And he's not. He could, but he's not. What Hummer, what's your take on the uh, the Arch Manning NIL mythology? Um, woefully inaccurate. Um, very wrong. I, I I don't doubt that the Manning family is profiting from um, Arch being in Texas. Um, I I do not doubt that at all, but I do not think Arch is getting millions of dollars to play in Texas. Um, I don't think any college football player outside of maybe one or two are making millions, period, um, to play college football. It's just not happening. And Arch Manning is certainly not making that much money in Texas. Who do you think's made the most? I mean, did is that is it too hard to tell, or can we kind of do you mean NIL is kind of weird? Do you mean actual NIL dollars, like what you get from like contracts with like brands, or do we mean what you get from a collective? Both. And college football, Caleb Williams has made the most. I have no doubt about that. His combination of what he made at USC and brand deals, he's made the most. And college sports, Livy Dunn's made the most money. no question about that either. Um, Viore, so. Viore, she makes me want to wear Viore pants. Stop, man. Well, nobody's trying to see that. Come on. <laughs> it looks so comfortable. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, that, I mean, certainly I'm sure a very comfortable brand out there, but um, I'm sure that's exactly what people are paying attention to. Uh, let's see if that ad runs in the Super Bowl, because if it does, Oh, her NIL just, is she still at LSU or is she like sitting on her money on the beach somewhere? I think she's still at LSU. Um, I think her, I, I don't want to pretend to know Libby Dunn's life. I think she's, I thought she was dating the uh, pitcher who's now in the Pirates organization. Uh, Paul, I don't know. But yes, she is, um, she has certainly benefited the most. And from a college football perspective, it's Caleb Williams. I don't think it's close. But um, if you're seeing, other than like, Maybe one quarterback at Tennessee, who I think it was a very unique situation. Um, nobody's making more than like $1.2, $1.3 million a year in college football. That's just not happening. Here you go. Get to uh, get to my Twitter, chipround247, and click on Hummer's story. Hummer, you're the best. Have a great Super Bowl weekend, my man. Absolutely. Y'all enjoy it. All right. Later. Great signing day. Yes, signing day, kids. Signing day is tomorrow. We'll talk to our man, Hank South. It should be pretty chill for the Longhorns. I think they're going to sit tight and wait to see what happens during the May portal season. But I could be wrong. And that's why we bring on Hank South. He is the guru. Or as my man, Glenn Stretch Smith likes to say, the guru. Um, Zay? What do you make of my predictions for the Super Bowl? Um, makes sense. Going with the better quarterback team that's been there before. You are big part of the Brock Purdy hate club. We know that he beat my Lions fair and square. I'm giving him his props. <laughs> you do. You have given him his props. I know. He, he did it. Working your chain, but I yeah. didn't think it would happen. But somehow they let that MFR start running on him. Tough. 
Brock Purdy beat the Lions with his legs. Yeah. I know when he was standing by Patrick Mahomes, he looked like a make a wish kid trying to meet Patrick Mahomes. Like he's just one of those dudes where, hey, it makes sense to not have much faith in him, but I think that's a part of his aura. I think that's what he uses to get people like him running against your Lions last week. Like you don't think he's gonna run because you don't think he's all that athletic. And all of a sudden, you know, he makes plays happen. It's kind of what's hurt him during during his career. Like sometimes he'll go Brett Favre mode and try to make a play where nothing's there instead of, you know, throwing the ball out of bounds or maybe taking the sack. And, you know, sometimes it hurts him. But when it works, it works. And, again, with all the weapons that he has and all the guys around him, all that talent, all he has to do is be, you know, basic, very basic. And that's been able to win games in these last two years. So I, I don't have a pick yet. Ask me on Friday. You know, it's very easy to pick Patrick Mahomes due to the reasons why you're picking the Chiefs. But it's also like the dude looks like Eli Manning sometimes. That He looks like that. He looks like that. Crazy defense on a good run. Few weapons around him offensively. You know, sometimes looks like absolute dog shit. <laughs> sometimes looks like the man. And that could be scary going into a game like this where it's just one game. This ain't like the, you know, NHL or NBA finals where it's seven. It's just one game. Patrick Mahomes could have that bad game. You just never know. We've seen it too many times where the favorite goes down. So I'm keeping that in mind, but I still don't have a pick. I'll have one come Friday. Um. My man, Andrew Martin, is asking, no more Olipop. No, Olipop is always on hand, but I am uh, trying this meal replacement thing because I'm trying to bring sexy back, as my man Sean Adams used to say. Um, you know, I got to drop a few few LBs. Trying to, I'm in training for the Mixed Doubles Club Championship. Here we go. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Andrew. But no, Olipop is always right here. And if you have not tried the watermelon lime, it is refreshing. It is very refreshing. Yeah. So. So what's the time limit that you need to drop these LBs? Like, let's say, where are you and Trevandre sweat at on how much? You're going to beat him? What do you I'm mean? Gonna beat him. I'm going to beat him to my goal weight. Because I've only got to drop 10. He's got to drop 20. But how much time does he have till the combine? When's 29th. So he's got 30, no, 20. Oh, he's got 23 days. I mean, he could get there. How many you got? Maybe I'll make it the – I think I'm going to get there before the 29th, but maybe I give myself to the 29th. Yeah, give yourself to the 29th. Yeah. I'm trying to get to 185, which I have not seen. Yeah in years yo i don't even know what the 180s is like <laughs> i probably haven't been that since sixth grade damn it which i'm i don't know probably not but still that's a You're wow six four and the round mound of rebound you know what i'm saying yeah i wish i had barkley's athleticism oh my gosh yeah i had none of that none of that just round Round mound. 
that's all I got. But all right, so what's what? What are we eating? What are we changing up? What are we cutting back? You know, a lot more protein, a lot less complex carbohydrates, like cutting back on the pasta and bread, loading up on the meat, cheese, well, not cheese, but fish, a lot of salmon, the superfood, salmon, salmon, like our man Quinn Ewers, when he dusted the Chick-fil-A, he went to salmon and bing, bang, boom. Like, this is a true story. When I first bought a life insurance policy, they tested, you know, I do the, do the blood work and they're like, Hey, your cholesterol's high. And I'm like, uh-oh. And my guy goes, eat salmon morning, noon, and night. Like every meal for two weeks, he goes, your cholesterol will come down. I did every meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner for two weeks. And they redid my blood work and my cholesterol was down. That's how, that's how impressive salmon is. Yeah. Superfood. That's crazy. I like salmon, so I'm I'm good with it. I mean, oh, I yeah, with the right seasoning and the right glaze, yo, salmon's on point. Yeah, absolutely. Hey. I, I need go ahead. Well, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking has some awesome salmon. So does Jack Allen's Kitchen. They have. I love the way they prepare their salmon. So get to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking if you love oysters. Well, if you love all, all the seafood, but especially oysters, they have dollar oysters during happy hour and their salmon. And of course, Jack Allen's kitchen. Yeah. And I'll just, while I'm at it, Apple leasing, and we would love to know if you have gone to Apple leasing, like tell us in the comments, um, because they've been a great sponsor and we want to share the love. Um, there might even be a, $50 cover three gift card in there for you. Um, if you give us your testimonial, feel free again in the comments, Apple leasing, because when people go to Apple leasing and realize that they can pick any make and model of car to lease and that they're not paying for the future trade in value of the car. So they're getting into a better car than they thought they could afford. They're like, Oh, wow. And I'm in a new car. And it's like, I mean, some of you haven't been in a new car forever. And when you're working with Apple leasing, you're going from one new car to the next. And if you want to change making model of car two, three years into a lease, no problem. The easy lease again, because Apple leasing leases every making model of car. If you had a bad leasing experience in the past, might've been because you leased from a dealership where they're not going to let you out of your contract because they want you to stay with them. Um, that's not the case with Apple leasing. So give them a call, 346-9977, or visit appleleasing.com. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. And, of course, Brain Vault for our, our competitors out there. You're watching the Pro Bowl. You're going to watch the Super Bowl. There, there will The Brain Vault mouth guard will be on the field. And this is the competitor. This is the competitor's mouth guard. Because whether you've got a youngin playing flag football, gymnastics, um, lacrosse, or, you know, basketball, you name it, any sport where there potentially could be um, a jarring situation with your head, Brain Vault Mouth Guard proven patented to reduce the effects of concussion. It is 
The Safest, The Best, developed right here in Austin, Texas by Dr. Greg Eckert, Dr. U, E-C-K-E-R-T. Um, and if you're the coach manager, you can set up a group fitting. They will come to you for a group fitting. All you have to do is go to brainvault.com to set up an appointment today. Um, today, our man uh, Hank South will be joining us. Um, but tonight, uh, until Hank gets here tonight, Texas basketball. This is their sixth game in a row against a ranked opponent. This is a school record. Texas basketball has never played six straight games against a ranked opponent and in the regular season. And that is happening tonight. We will get into it. Texas against Iowa State tonight at 7 o'clock at the Mood, Moody Center. Um, but right now, it is Super Bowl week. It is also signing day eve. Now, uh, to talk about it is our man Hank South, recruiting guru at horns247.com. Hank, you look relaxed. <laughs> you look good. I mean, when we were heading into that signing day in December, you had six phones to your ear. Uh, it's, I mean, that really is signing day, isn't it? This is the, this is the bonus signing day. Yeah. Now. yeah there's, you know, February is kind of just, yeah, you don't really even, honestly, yesterday I was like, oh yeah, signing day is this week. Uh, so that's kind of how, you know, how it feels now, but no, I mean, we call, uh, we've been calling signing day or the early signing period, national signing day. That's what it is. You know, kids make their decisions. Then, um, you know, I would say 98% of them, 99% of them sign then. And then you kind of have some leftover guys that, you know, wait until, wait until February or guys that sometimes get uncovered, um, you know, after senior seasons, take some visits in January and, and sign in February. But yeah, it, it's, it's all about December now. And, you know, everything else is just kind of, um, you know, a lot of the focus now, you know, th throughout the month of January had been, uh, you know, the staff out on the road and visiting uh, 2025 recruits and, and underclassmen that are going to kind of be the focus uh, of their efforts here the next few months and then some transfer portal guys as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of wild that there's just not much, not much buzz. Yeah. For Texas fans, what do they need to look forward to for tomorrow? Yeah. You know, I, I think just, you know, it's an official, you know, well, sort of official, you know, cap to their 2024 class, you know, Texas, I think right before we came on, they're back at number five um, in the high school ranks. I think they're number five in the portal plus high school ranks as well. Um, so, you know, another really stout group, you know, we, we looked at this class back in the summer. I was like, man, when are they going to get this thing going? And, you know, after that official visit, um, you know, window where they had back to back, you know, like 20 visitor weekends, it just blew up and just went from there. You know, they had Brandon Baker, Ryan Wingo in the fall and they get, you know, Aaron Butler, um, Kobe Black, Xavier Filsimi late. And then what they've done in the transfer portal. I mean, I, I, this is just a total reload. We were talking earlier. I was talking with Tommy. Yarish earlier um, and Jordan on our 24 seven YouTube channel about, you know um, you know, we were grading, we're kind of going over the grades of the class, you know, what was the number one position group number two. Um, and we were going with defensive back number one. I mean, just, you know, the, the guys they were able to bring in and in, in a spot that they really needed to with, with the, 
you know, exits in the transfer portal and, and attrition and, you know, go out and get Xavier Filsamy, Kobe Black, two guys that could probably play right away that are already at, in the program getting ready in the spring semester. You got to get Andrew Makuba, who is a freshman All-American at Clemson and, you know, earlier in his career was getting first round mock draft buzz that, you know, could probably go in and you, you can maybe expect to start right away next uh, next to Derek Williams next fall. Um, and then, you know, the, the, they tried to get Jabbar Muhammad from uh, Washington. That didn't work out, but, you know, they get, get a lot of other, um, you know, key guys. Santana Wilson is a guy that's not really getting talked about a lot. And, you know, he's got NFL NFL uh, in his blood. And, you know, he, he he's a big time playmaker out in Arizona. Um, Wardell Mack, a lot of people think he's one of the more underrated guys. So I think be thrilled. I mean, thrilled about the class overall, thrilled about this defensive backs class, be really thrilled about this wide receivers class. You know, what, what What other situation can you point back to, you know, like where they're losing so much offensive production at wide receiver and running back and tight end, um, and they're bringing back their quarterback? You know, that's, that's such a weird, unique situation. But, man, did they reload. Like this wide receiver core, you know, I, I would put it up against some NFL rooms. I'm not even going to lie. Like, Car- like Carolina Panthers, I, I think that's <laughs> a I think they have better wide receivers than the Carolina Panthers. I'll say it. You know, I'll probably get, you know, you never, I don't know. Adam Thielen's pretty good, but uh, Terrace Marshall. But um, no, I mean, just loaded at wide receiver and you go out and I have get Terrace him Marshall on my fantasy team and he's not done anything. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Projection. <laughs> but you're, um, you're right. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of other NFL rooms. You know, obviously the NFL talent's a whole nother level, but um. Then Amari Nyblack, the number one tight end in the portal, a guy that, you know, can come in and kind of pick up right where Jatavian Sanders left off. You know, you hope it's not kind of the same situation that Jaleel Billingsley was, but I, I think he's a much different player, different person. And, you know, I think I think he has what it takes to, you know, succeed. We saw flashes of it at Alabama this past season. And, you know, I, I think, you know, pairing him up with Quinn Ewers and, and what they want to do with their two tight end sets, that kind of stuff, I think he could really, uh, really flourish as well. So, a lot to be excited about this class. It's going to be a, a fun 2024 season, I think. So Aaron Butler, his speed, like yeah. when I put out the insider um, last week, did a little update on winter conditioning. One of the first things I heard about was Aaron Butler's speed. So tell us what you know about Aaron Butler's speed, Hank. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think your quote. I think the the it was this, his speed is real, um, and you know that's I think that's what really drew him. And you know, it, it's it's really interesting to see kind of the staff's like vision come into play on recruiting. Like we asked Sark back at that uh, TH uh, SCA con- uh, convention back in July. Uh, you know what? You know, this is your first class going into the SEC what are, you know, what are, what are you changing? Like, what are you like, are you recruiting different people? Are you like landscape or, you know, footprint you want to create? And he was saying, you know, when he first got to Texas, uh, you know, he, he looked at the college football playoff, you know, who are the teams in the college football playoff? It's SEC teams. So it's, it's Bama, it's Georgia, it's LSU. What, you know, what are those guys, what are their rosters made of? And, you know, he said uh, big physical up front speed on the perimeter. That was kind of the, what they look for. And Aaron Butler, um, Isaiah Bond, Ryan Wingo, Silas Bolden. I mean, that's speed on the perimeter. Like, that's elite speed on the perimeter. Um, and, and so I think that's just what stands out the most about, about Aaron Butler's game and, and the fact that he's also – he's played cornerback. Like, you know, he, he has that kind of – that skill set where, you know, you always kind of see receivers that, pl- that have played defensive back in the past 
you know, they know what defensive backs are doing or they know what they're looking for. They can kind of read them a little bit better. That always seems to, to be a helpful thing for them um, and their development. But Aaron Butler, I've heard nothing but good things about him. You know, it, it's interesting because, you know, we went from late in the signing cycle or signing period, early signing period that, you know, does, does he have an offer? Like, are, are they like, are they really going to take Aaron Butler? Like, and then, cause it was right after, it was right after Matthew Golden committed. And, um, you know, we, we, we confirmed they had an offer. Um, Chris Jackson went out and saw him, the wide receivers coach. And, uh, you know, he went from not even considering Texas. He's never even, he had never even visited Texas um, to committing to Texas. And now he's living in Austin and, and has started his college career. So I think he's one of those kind of under the radar guys, you know, we get caught up in the Isaiah bond, the, the Ryan Wingo and, Matthew Golden for good reason, but you know Aaron Butler could quietly be one of the be one of the guys. Yeah. Hank, how good is um, excuse me? How good is Brandon Baker? You know, coming out of modern day, we know how historic that program has been. We know how much Sark loves getting guys from that program over there in Cali. How good do you think he could be? We know with offensive linemen, it might take a year or two to get that baby fat off and get some uh, real college shrimp. But, you know, they're really high on him being a five-star player. Yeah, you know, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, if they needed to, could plug and play. You know, I don't think they're going to need him year one, but I think, you know, him and uh, I think they could, you know, if if everything, you know, if they need him, he he could step in. I know Sark, you know, said about him, you know, when he looks at Brandon Baker, he just sees Kelvin Banks. Like, so it's a pretty high, high praise. Um, you know, a guy, you know, he's I think he said if you put him in a lab, you know, spit out a left tackle, that's Brandon Baker. And I know like our 24-7 series called him like a war daddy. Um, so, I mean, he, he's a big time player. And again, kind of like these kids that come out of programs like IMG or like St. Thomas Aquinas that are just essentially college programs already. Um, he's come out of matter day, which, you know, how many guys have they put out over the course of their, you know, 50 plus year history. They're probably longer than that. I think their head coach was there for like 50 years, but I think the program's older than that. But I mean, just that D one guy after D one guy, uh, but Brandon Baker stud, you know, big physical, you know, he's really athletic for his size um, and just, you know, has the right mental makeup to, to, uh, to succeed. So I, I think, you know, if you're going to take a small offensive line class, you know, you, you have a guy like Brandon Baker. I think that makes you a lot more comfortable with with the numbers. What uh, who else in that 2024 signing class for Texas did the speed just jump off the table? Yeah. Um, you know, Aaron Butler, Isaiah Bond. And I know you're no 22 miles per hour. That's, that's pretty wild. Um Xavier Filsamy, he's got legit speed. I think he's a, I think he's a 10-5 guy. Um, I think Kobe Black is too. I'm trying to think of all the track guys. Um, Wardle Mack, I know, is is a guy that's done track. But I, you know, I think it just starts with that wide receiver group. You know, Butler, Wingo, and Isaiah Bond. I mean, I think those those guys aren't going to lose many races. Um, and so, you know, that is, I think that's just yeah. Is Jonte? cook part of that yeah no, or... he, well, uh, he's up there too um i know that everyone's like oh we forget about you know i, I tweeted out a thing on uh when they i think when they added silas bolden or isaiah bond just kind of like who they went out and added and everyone's like oh you're you're forgetting about john Tay cook and deandre moore and, and ryan niblett and i'm like i'm not forgetting about them i'm just writing about the guys they added this cycle and yeah we shouldn't forget about them i was talking to one source and he said you know he, he like really emphasized, don't forget about this group that we already have here with, with John Tay Cook, 
um, and, you know, more in, in Nibble. I mean, it's a small group. You know, they didn't have a lot of guys returning on scholarship, but it's a, it's a pretty loaded group. So, you know, you factor those guys into the equation. I mean, there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some some plays made next year for sure. Yeah, It'll be interesting to see if Sark expands the receiver rotation. Yeah, um, I mean, the Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington stayed healthy in 2023, and they almost never came off the field. Right, uh, and for good reason. I mean, right, Ad Mitchell and Worthy are in a lot of first rounds of mock drafts, so mm-hmm. um, it'll be it'll be interesting because I hear good things about Ryan Niblett, and I know he's a 10. 10- hundred guy yeah i mean and, they're they're fast that's for sure yeah yeah what uh is there do you have a favorite player like like this guy is my guy in the 2024 yeah. texas recruiting um, class i mean it's probably cheating but i mean like colin simmons is a freak <laughs> i mean he i you know we, we talk about like the season anthony hill just had as a true freshman like I feel like Colin Simmons is kind of a, a guy that can, you know, if, if needed, could uh, could blow up like that. I, I think he's up there. I really like – I, you know, he's small, but I really like Ty Anthony Smith. I think he's a playmaker on defense. I think he's someone that, you know, fans should be really excited about to, to bring in at linebacker. He'll get bigger, obviously, but um, he's, a, he's a fun player. And, again, I, go, I keep going back to Santana Wilson. I just feel like this guy's just not getting talked about enough, you know. to he, I mean, He's just like a quiet, humble kid. You don't hear a lot from him or, or see a lot, but – you know, he was a guy, you know, Texas A&M was trying to flip late. Um, you know, he had a lot of interest uh, and he, he stayed true with Texas. And again, you know, there's something to be said about kids whose parent, you know, dad's playing the NFL. You know, they, they, they're they like kind of a different level of, of, of athlete. Um, and, and so I, I think that's that's something, you know, I, I think he's a kid. He's going to come in late. So maybe we don't hear about him for, you know, a year or two. But, you know, he I talked to him right before signing day and he was like, you know, he was saying, he has no intentions, you know, whether he plays or not early, you know, he's going to stay, he's, he wants to follow it through at Texas and, you know, make his name there. And so you got to respect that in this kind of this day and age where kids want to play immediately. And if they don't, you know, they look elsewhere. Um, so I think, where do you think, guy. where do you think Santana Wilson lines up? I think, I think he'll play cornerback. Um, I do. Uh, I, I mean, and again, you know, every DB, you know, I think Sark mentioned position flex, you know, they, they can move around if they need them to. And I think that makes it, you know, all the more, valuable in terms of you know um, why they recruited them but I, I think he'll end up playing playing cornerback with his with his length yeah yeah I mean it's it's impressive because um I think Malik Muhammad is he's gonna be your boundary corner and then yeah. everyone else is fighting it out for the field yeah. corner but um but I also heard models yeah for sure I heard Jabbar I heard Jabbar Muhammad wanted a promise guarantee that he'd start yeah. and Texas wouldn't do it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, you got, you got all those guys you just recruited and you know, you don't want to, that's kind of the sign of a healthy program too. It's like, you know, you will promise you can come in and compete, but you know, you're not, you're not going to come in and for sure start. So, you know, yeah. You that was, told him that, I guess. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a good policy. Yeah. Hank, last one for me. Anything else you're hearing with winter workouts? Any guys standing out or making a name for themselves this early? Yeah, that I mean, just the wide receivers was a big talk last week. You know, Butler, I know, I know Wingo Chip touched on him too in, in the insider. Just, you know, he's he's a guy that's kind of been, you know, a lot of the coaches were out recruiting, um, or all the coaches were out recruiting. So, 
you know, they're, they're uh, you know, from, from talking with sources, you know, they, they, uh, sounds like Wingo is the real deal as well, you know, and, and that's no surprise. You know, I think they, they expected, expected that from him, but uh, Wingo, you know, the, the, just the speed of the wide receiver has been the, the biggest thing on my end um, that, that, we, that we've been able to hear. Wingo's long. Mm-hmm. Like he's got long arms. Yeah. He's, he's listed like six, two, but he might have an AD Mitchell type wingspan. Yeah, I forgot. I think it was Wingo I was talking to. I was asking him like who he models his game after, or he who who think who he thinks he plays like. And he's had Jamison Williams, uh, just a little bit thicker of a Jamison. Well, Jamison Williams is real skinny, um, but Wingo's Wingo's pretty built. He's like two hundred five. Yeah. Um, so you know maybe a little bit more durable. So that's kind of a scary combo. My comp for Colin Simmons is Joseph Osai. I like that. I think I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, I mean, Osai was a monster. His uh, sophomore and junior seasons needed a year to get it figured out, but yeah, I'll be curious to see if um, you know if Savea is the last defensive lineman they try to add, or if you know they see where they're at in the spring and maybe in that spring portal window they try to make a move on somebody else because I feel like they probably need at least another guy. So that'll yeah. be an interesting spring recruiting storyline if. You know, if that's another thing to add on to, because I think they're done everywhere else. You know, I, I don't I was told they aren't going to recruit any more cornerbacks. So I think that's that window's closed. Um, and so really, it's just defensive line, unless there's just like a guy that you have you feel like you have to have after spring spring practice. Yeah. Well, you know, Michigan, they uh, yeah. they got their 30 days in the portal pretty late for, yeah. for enrollment. So we'll see how Michigan's spring football goes. Yeah, and see that's if- a good point. Yeah. And then Bama, I think their windows. I mean, it's, it all doesn't really matter because of the enrollment times, but their window, I guess, closes on Friday. So they're limping towards Friday. Eh, I shouldn't say limping; they're still pretty good. But they took yeah, and it'll be days. it'll be interesting for Texas too coming out of the spring because you got a yeah. log jam at receiver, you got a bunch of you know DBs, and that's one thing that Sark has been really good. I mean, he's kept the players he's wanted to keep for the most yeah. part. And it's interesting because um, like they're gonna have to shed some some players. Like some guys are gonna have to leave. Like it's just how it is to to meet that 85 number. So it's not like oh we hope we don't lose anybody. He's like no we you have to lose some people. Like some some guys are gonna have to go. So yeah it'll be be curious to see how that all that all pans out. Yeah. Yeah that running back room is loaded too. Yeah. I mean I guess the way to shard choice is growing them up. You know, Jaden Blues draft eligible after next season. Um, but yeah, and he to shard choice, his comp for Jaden Blue is Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I'll take more of that, please. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. I feel like every time he touched the ball late in the season, he was getting six or seven yards. I mean, he was he was great. So yeah, it'll be yeah. it'll be fun to see this season. Yeah. Yeah, got to protect that ball, Hank. We got yes. to on that program, Omar Epps stuff, walking around campus holding that ball <laughs> secure. Because what was the stat yesterday, Chip? Every thirty-nine carries, he fumbles. Yeah, good. Not well, good. And then you—it's funny because like, I think I was watching a Lions game where they were warming up, and like I know they're just warming up, but they do the drill where like the other running backs behind his shoulder and he's hitting the ball, but like they're doing it so lazily, and it's like, hey. Get them ready for the game. They're about to get punched. <laughs> yeah, right. Throw some throw some uh, Apollo Creed uppercuts at yeah. that thing. 
<laughs> right? R.I.P. Carl Weathers. Oh man. All right. You got a you got a a gut feel for the Super Bowl? I I got to ride with the Chiefs. Um I think they'll get it done, you know. They, and and I, another reason I'm riding with them is they're playing at uh, Allegiant. Like I feel have they ever lost in that stadium? Like yet to the I think the Raiders maybe beat them once, maybe. Oh, that's right. And they're playing there, so they're used to playing there. And I saw a thing the 49ers weren't happy with uh, UNLV's practice right. facility. I saw that too. So maybe yeah, their grass field is like all mushy. Yeah. So maybe the uh, Chiefs <laughs> like where the out. hell where the hell are the uh, Chiefs practicing? They're at a, they're at the Raiders facility. So they, <laughs> they're at the, oh man! there, but they were wow. saying they were going to try to split time to where the 49ers could come practice at the Raiders facility too. So. I'll have to check on that. See what, see how that's. Yeah, going. I don't. Who do the Raiders hate more, 49ers or Chiefs? I'd yeah, say the 49ers. Question. Yeah, because of the 49ers. Yeah, Oakland proximity. people. Yeah. Oakland people hate San Fran people. Yeah, they. I know they're not there anymore, but yeah, that's a lot <laughs> of hate still. So I, that's a petty move. If you yeah. had to pick one, they were like, okay, they're in our division, but. They're staying 49 is different. Yeah. It's different. I get it. I look for that stuff, Hank. I look yep. for the petty stuff. Hypno. <laughs> I look for the petty little stuff like that. So I'm hey, say Hilton, that. baby. I love that shit. I love it. <laughs> I eat that stuff up like flapjacks, man. Bring oh, it man. on. I like that. Uh, yeah. I just hope it's a good game. Well, let's just see a good game. Maybe the 49ers will play. You know, I would like Kyle Shanahan to win one, you know, resident Texas guy. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the Longhorn beat my Aggie head coach of the Lions. Uh, yep. All my uh, Texas buddies were like, hey, man, you knew the Longhorn was going to beat the Aggie, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that, too. But damn. And Josh Reynolds is an Aggie. Oh. And he was dropping balls all over the field. Butterfinger yeah. Reynolds. Oh, but enough about that. Hey. Okay. There's always a, next year. <laughs> always next year. Like like me some Jamison Williams. He's stud. Like He's that. Dead. Um, all right, brother. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for the thanks for the intel. Have a great uh signing day. Hopefully it'll be pretty quiet. Yeah. Any, any any basketball recruiting? It's kind of been quiet that they had a for the uh what game was it? A few weeks ago, they had an official visitor, and you know I'm so bad. I I should have his name on top of my mind right now. No, it's all right. In town for the Houston game, it was uh, that big seven footer dude. Yeah, the huge kid. Yeah, he's on campus. Uh, Hold on, we're still here. Get his name right. Oh shoot, I guess we didn't have his basketball. Okay, next week I'm gonna catch up with him, and we'll talk about his visit. But he's a guy. That guy that I'm not even naming. He's a guy. <laughs> but no, Kingston Flemings. He was on campus recently. Uh, but no, we'll we'll uh, now that you know signing day coming to an end, we'll 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 hit on some more basketball recruiting and see where they're at. We should probably just we should probably just ask you every week: Is Trey Johnson still coming? Hey, to- hey I think he's. You know, I, I I get it. People are like, you know, they're worried, but uh, everything I've heard, he's still, you know, he's still coming. So maybe they can yeah. keep this momentum well, rolling and reel off some more yeah. wins. That they so. needed starting tonight against yeah, big the big uh, game tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Or not starting tonight, but 
continuing. Yeah. I'm going tonight. Yeah. I am too. I'll see you there. Zay, you going to the game? Nope. Nope. I'm chilling at the crew. Hank, you're the I best. I would love to, but I cannot. Oh, I thought you were asking me if I was going. <laughs> well, um, I'll see you at the game tonight and uh, let's do it again next week. Cool. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Right. I appreciate Hank it. South, Hank yeah. South breaking it down. Hank Southhorns 247.com. All right. Before we get to the chip shot, my man, uh, Tom McKay, audio visual consultations, making sure that you, whenever you're ready, people, to get the big screen of your dreams, the surround sound, new lighting, electronic shades, surveillance. There's only one place to go. It is audio visual consultations. My man, Tom McKay, has been doing it for 30 years in Austin. He's done it for me in three different houses. He's done it in a lot of your favorite restaurants in terms of TVs, surround sound, the works. And here's the beautiful thing. All you have to do is call 255-8678. And from the free consultation, free, to installation, Tom and his crew are going to bring everything to you, including the best price on big screens. So you just call Tom. And his crew will do the rest. 255-8678 or check out avconsultations.com. And BetUS, you see it right there, BetUS. Um, if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel, uh, just click on that BetUS link and get your Super Bowl bets down. I gave you a couple today. Chiefs cover. Isaiah Pacheco, take the over um, in whatever you're seeing for his rushing yards. Um, yeah, but bet US. And if you're listening to us on the app, go to our explore new socials, features, socials. No, explore our socials, explore our socials. If you're if you're on the Texas Sports Unfiltered app, go to explore our socials and it'll take you to the BetUS uh, link. Get your Super Bowl bets down. BetUS, it's been America's favorite place to bet the last 30 years. And they've got so many promotional bets where you only have to put down a little, win a lot. That's a good formula, kids. All right. Um, and of course, we love our Olipop. Olipop. We give out Olipops for, for excellent performances. So we'll give an Olipop to Chris Hummer and Hank South today. And uh, of course, 7 Eleven. I was in 7 Eleven yesterday getting me a. And I can't do this, Zay. I, I'm trying to drop the LBs. I got to. Be very, you know, selective of when I go get my big gulp, but yeah. I do love my big gulp. So, yeah, I never understand. You know, it's tough to do the New Year's resolution thing with dropping weight when Girl Scout cookies come out this time of the year. Yeah, I, did I, get, I, I, I can't do it. I can't do I it. I'm not get, even going to try. Like, okay, real, real quick, what's your go-to Girl Scout cookie? Uh, peanut butter patties. The red box, put those in the freezer. Can't beat it. You can't beat it. 
You can eat a whole box in one sitting. Oh, That's the problem. Yeah. And them things run you about $6 nowadays. I know. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> yo, I get like, inflation, but damn. $6 like, and like they're putting bigger gaps between those slots for the cookies. Like, I feel like I'm yo. paying more and getting less, but you know, the girls are so cute. You try to help them, but then you hear the head of Girl Scouts is living in a mansion. You're like, what the hell's going yeah. on? I need and to go the, see where they're getting them from the back of the truck. I need I need that connect. If somebody knows an underground Girl Scout cookie plug out there, hey, y'all see my social right there. I'll leave my DMs open. <laughs> like, hit me up because them yeah. prices. Yeah. Hit the BetUS link for the Super Bowl bets and then hit. Yeah, hit Zay's me up. DMs. Y'all, y'all give me half of that. Let's get back to the $3 a box. Three dollars was twenty years ago. The good old days, man. But what's your go-to? Oh, peanut butter patties. Peanut butter, yeah. That that's it, man. That's it. It's like a Reese's peanut butter cup cookie. Like it is bonkers, man. It is bonkers. Caramel delights, solid peanut butter sandwiches, solid. I'm not a thin mint guy. I was as a kid, but as an adult now. I guess my taste buds have changed. I'm not a thin mint guy no more. It's very depressing. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah, I'll live. All right. I'll be fine. But they've already hit you, I can tell, because you know the new pricing. Yeah. No, they got me. They got me. Yeah. It went went from five bucks. I used to be able to get four boxes for 20 bucks. Now is 24. Just like that. I swear last year it was five dollars. I thought I swear so. Last year it was five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. They run it up now. I get it. I get it. Good product. Um, don't forget on tomorrow's show, we'll have John Brown fresh from the Pro Bowl and Dan Neal, who played in two Super Bowls, including uh, well, he won two Super Bowls with the Denver Broncos under Mike Shanahan, and Kyle Shanahan was running around as a ball boy. Dan's got all kinds of stories for us, and I think he overlapped, maybe not, as a player with Dan Campbell. I think maybe. I don't know. We'll we'll talk to him. He's got good, good stories. Um, all right, the chip shot today. I'm going right into Zay's. I'll probably be the prelude for Zay's right call with Texas basketball tonight. I know he's got to have a big hat player of the game forecast, but we finally got to talk to Kendall Weaver. And this is my guy. And so, of course, I wrote about Kendall Weaver today because I was banging my fists on my desk for this kid to get more minutes after the Marquette blowout loss in early December when he was diving all over the floor down 20 still giving it and then we know it took uh our man RT a little too long to to get him uh some more minutes but Zay after that Central Florida game where our man IT Horton the six-year journeyman who's averaging like seven points a game but was getting tons of minutes and has no defensive presence. 
after he went for 20, but then missed three threes in a row in the final um, six minutes of the Central Florida game. Like everyone's like, oh man, he scored 20 against Central Florida. Do you remember the three threes he took in the final six minutes when the 15 point lead was evaporating and he missed them all? Um, well, after that, and Kendall Weaver only played four minutes in that Central Florida game. That was the game where Rodney Terry lost his mind in the handshake line. Mm. After that, Kendall Weaver's been averaging his his minutes went from averaging 13.4 to 26.2. And oh, by the way, Texas is three and two against these ranked opponents in this murderer's row of teams that could have sunk the Longhorns battleship, but oh, there's Kendall Weaver extending Texas's defense against OU's guards. Oh, there's Kendall Weaver getting an offensive rebound tip out against Baylor to win the game. And oh, against Houston, there's Kendall Weaver with a steal and gets fouled and hits both free throws with 214 left to put him up four. Uh, in regulation, but they couldn't hold on. But Kelvin Sampson went on and on about Kendall Weaver in his post game. Um, if you forgot that, we didn't even play the bootleg of that. But Kelvin Sampson, like he went on and on about Kendall Weaver. Let me let me tell you what he said. He said he said uh, he said, you know, the guy that's really made a difference on their team. I think um, their best defensive guard is Weaver. This is Kelvin Sampson. When you have a kid like him setting the standard, it makes the other guys better. So I'm not taking anything against any of the other kids, but I'm going to sit here and give a big shout out to Weaver. He's tough. He's an athlete that plays athletic. He said he knows how to use his athleticism. I thought this was funny. He said, you know, there's a lot of guys that are athletes. They'd have to study to pass a blood test. They have no idea how to use their athleticism. He really used his athleticism well. He's got a low base, great feet. He might have had something to do uh, with that shot uh, Jamal Shedd took at the end of regulation that he missed just because of how good the defense was. So, Kendall Weaver, last five games, averaging 26.2 minutes, and he was part of game plan decision in the TCU game. RT said they were eating us up with their pick and roll. They were getting layups. And we decided to extend the defense, put pressure on the ball. It was Kendall Weaver and Tyrese Hunter. And that started the turnaround from 10 down to 11 up at intermission. And Texas won they're the only team in the big 12 that's won three games on the road in conference play. So this team's starting to believe now tonight is a big opportunity because it's a home game against a ranked opponent. And Texas has lost some games at home to unranked opponents and that can't happen anymore. So um, Iowa state, another team that's led by its guards, just like, in large part, TCU, Oklahoma, Houston. So this is not anything Texas should be unfamiliar with. They need a big energizing night 
And I expect Kendall Weaver to be back in the starting lineup, Zay. Yeah, I expect them to be in the starting lineup for the remainder of the season. That doesn't mean to completely not trust IT Horton because you're going to need them at times. Right, right. I, I watched Kansas yesterday look exhausted because Saturday they played against Houston and they beat the dog crap out of them. And then they have to drive to Manhattan and play against Kansas State, their arch rival, like two days later. And in case State's having a bad wow. year. Yeah. So the players probably thought, oh, no, but my team, my teammate will pick me up today. But Bill Self's playing the starters like 35 minutes plus, and they right. went into overtime. Like they were so tired yesterday, and that doesn't last as the year goes on. Like I told you at the beginning of the year, you want a nine man to 10 man rotation. That is ideal. Because it's just too much of a gauntlet to get through the full college basketball season and have legs once you come into March. Like that UConn team last year was so deep, so deep. And Coach Hurley has another deep team this year. They could easily go back to back. So Coach Terry right now, they have seven guys that he can trust. And that's not good. You'll take it right now. But for the foreseeable future, that is not good. And, yeah, Kendall Weaver, he should be a starter for the rest, rest of the season. Like, I'm right there with you. And Kelvin Sampson, he's probably salty that he didn't get him in his own backyard. Like, that's a Houston-area kid, and you don't recruit him? You know? Well, Mansfield. Yeah. Mansfield-Timberview? Yeah. That's like, okay. That's Houston. You give that to Houston? Isn't that isn't it closer to – I thought oh. it was more. Well, yeah, I mean, I was maybe not. I don't know. I thought he was a Houston area kid. Oh, that's all me. But still, like, hey, the dude went to a mid major and UTA and kept working his yeah, ass. Mansfield's off. Dallas. Okay, never mind. So that makes sense why he went to UTA. Well, either way, yeah, that dude. And his sister's in the play. WNBA. His sister, Kennedy Carter was the number four pick in the 2020 WNBA draft and is the youngest player ever to go for 30 points in a WNBA game. Yeah. So she was an Aggie, but she could hoop. Yeah. And she, she's been a mentor. She was at the TCU game and told him he needs to get downhill with his left hand, say get downhill. With <laughs> your left hand. I like and it. How about this? RT. Uh, said yesterday that Doge Balbe is working with the team, the uh, Turkish terror. Yeah, Doge was a, I mean, RT called him one of the best on-ball defenders Texas has had, and he's contemplating, you know, whether to keep playing in Turkey or get into coaching. So I'm like, that's a I, good move. I think Coach Terry, he needs to recruit overseas more. Like, they need to bring those guys over. And if Doge Bay has any connections, which he should, he's from that Europe, and he also played there for a long time. Like, he should have connections to those farm systems that they have down there where guys might want to come to the States and make a name for themselves because Rick Barnes obviously did it. Like, Coach Derry, bring those guys over. Like, there's a ton of African brothers out there that look like Matumbo. They might not have the skill, but they look like them. Bring that dude over to get some rebounds and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, you no, 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 no. Yeah, he might not yeah. be a star or anything, but he's a seven footer. Bring him King over. Keep on, man. Like, they're Nigerian. over there growing on trees. Go over there. Get all the, the shots that you need. 
so you don't get sick and go over there and get some of those guys and bring them over. Yeah, man. Did you have the dream shake? Hell no. Well, what? did you study it? Did you try? Yeah. Yes. Do you not understand how difficult that when someone's guarding you, the dream shakes easy when you're doing it against Casper. But when somebody's guarding you and stuff and dream, everything that he did was based off what the defense gave him. So if you stopped one move, Dream's going to counter, and then all of a sudden you're getting Dream shaked, and, you know, this dude's already at the rim, and you're still in that spot on the block as a defender. Like, Hakeem Olajuwon had the best bag ever for a big man. Hell no, I couldn't put that in mind. Nope. I tried. Okay, so didn't have it. Terry, Ronnie Terry said he's having Kendall Weaver watch film of Avery Bradley. Smart. Which Avery Bradley was a glove who played yeah. 15 years in the NBA because he was a glove. Yeah. But Avery so, Bradley was so skilled too. Like he was yeah. a five star player coming out. So I, I get the comparison, but Avery I think, Bradley's. I think know, the Royal Ivy comparison is a little more realistic because Ivy was a nothing. He was an afterthought recruit out of Queens who Rick Barnes yelled. Who the hell recruited this guy in his first practice at Rob Lanier? Lanier's like, oh, bleep. Yeah. But anyway, let's get to the right call. My man, Zay, call you. Yes, sir. No right call today. Y'all know what we do on game days. But before all that, shout out to Covert BK, the Covert Auto Group family-owned automotive dealership that have been doing it in the Austin area for over a 100 years. They've been getting people out of those hoopties, those buckets, just those beat-up pentos and station wagons, man. Y'all need to quit driving those and get with a team that serves a high-quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. They got seven terrific brands to choose from at Covert BK. From Dodge Chrysler, Cadillac, Ram, GMC, Buick, and Jeep. You're going to find what you want at Covert BK or go to covertbk.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever. And on game days, y'all know how we do because it is time for Zay's Player of the Game prediction brought to you by Big Hat Spirits. I know it's not January no more, but with the margarita mocktails that you get with Big Hat Spirits that are sold at your local HEB, you are getting something exclusive, my friend. 50 calories. That's right. Only 50 calories. Zero alcohol mocktail with kombucha sparkling water. That's the new wave, especially with millennials out there. But anybody could drink it. Kombucha is where it's at. The sparkling water combined with the real fruits and the spices. It comes with the lime-like salt. It comes with the chili salt. I mean, to throw around the rim. It just gets you right. It gets you right. I got a lot in the fridge uh, the fridge. Like it's it gets you right. I'm gonna have one tonight when I watch the Iowa State game. Check out Big Hat Special or Big Hat Spirits.com for our different specials and whatnot. And again, go to your local HEB to get yours today. And my big hat spirit player of the game, Chip, I am gonna go with Dylan DeSue. I think he has the best matchup offensively tonight going up against those bigs for Iowa State. You talked about it when your chip shot about Iowa State's guards, how tough they are. They are very tough. So the Horns guards, they got their hands full. So Dylan DeSue, he's going to have to take old big Robert Jones, who's been there for 20 years, kind of like Brock Cunningham. you got to bring him outside, knock down those outside shots so you could open up those driving lanes for the rest of the team because T.J. 
Otzenberger squad, they lock up, man. They are second in the nation when it comes to forcing turnovers. They are third in the nation when it comes to forcing steals. And they are seventh in the nation when it comes to points allowed. This Iowa State team gets after it, and it's led by Taman Lipsy. That dude is a stud. He is prideful of his school because he is an Ames kid. He went to Ames High School. So, yeah, his parents are at the game every time they play at Hilton. Like, he loves the Cyclones, always has. He was always going to be a Cyclone. It was just a matter of if he was good enough to play for him. And he is. He is a tough guard. He gets to anywhere he wants on the court. He's averaging around 14 and six a game. Like, six assists in college basketball is difficult. If you add 14 with that, like, you're controlling the game. So that's going to be a huge job for Kendall Weaver and Tyrese uh, Hunter trying to get him, you know, out of his comfort spots. But, yeah, Dylan DeSue, I think offensively, he should be able to get anything he wants. And, you know, when – Ossenberger goes small. That's the thing to look at. When they take Jones out and put Trey King at the five, along with Milan Machanovich, who's 6'10 and super skilled. Like he's only a freshman. They'll put him in situations in the post and he'll shoot that dirt fadeaway off one foot and he's shooting around 40% from three. He's an absolute problem. So when they put those guys as their four and five, and then they bring in Curtis Jones, who hasn't seen a shot that he doesn't like he'll shoot it from anywhere averaging around 10 a game to go along with their leading scorer Keyshawn Gilbert who's an absolute bucket this is one of the best teams in the nation like and they're pissed off because of that Baylor loss which was really weird of how they did Scott Drew. Like, I, I know we haven't talked about that, but that was so bogus. Scott Drew wasn't harming anybody. He wasn't disrespecting anybody. He was just in the wrong spot. And yeah, kick him out of that. Like, get the hell out of here. It, oh, my God. Refs are so egotistical, Chip. Like, you wouldn't know it, but they are. Like, well, they are. Get, it's not about you. That's the biggest thing that refs don't get. It's never about you. The best refs are the ones that don't get noticed ever. Like nobody should know who Scott Foster is, but they do because of his hatred for Chris Paul and all that shit. Like that's bad officiate. You're not a good ref, Scott. You're not. Those guys kicking Scott Drew out, that's ridiculous. You let Scott Drew know, and because he deserves it, he's a national championship winning coach. This is the Big 12. You're in a top 25 game, and you kick him out because he's in the wrong spot. That's Bush League, man. That's absolute Bush League. And Iowa State, they took advantage of that in that game. And they came back down 15, almost had a game winner from Michalovich, which, you know, wasn't um, – time expired before the ball got out of his hand. So, obviously, it didn't count. But, yeah, this Iowa State team, it's going to be tough. And I told you before they went on this six-game ranked opponent stretch, if they go four and two, they're in a good spot. They're in a really good spot. They have a chance to do that tonight, being three and two right now. If they go four and two, they are in a good spot to not only make it in the tournament, but not have to worry about going to Dayton. Obviously, they have to beat the Oklahoma States and the Kansas States of the world. But, you know, you saw Kansas State. They just beat Kansas. So that win or loss, the win would be big, but the loss, ah, you don't need any losses right now. It's just, it's a big 12. Everybody's good. Everybody's talented. Every game is tough. 
the horns, they're sitting at a good spot right now. I think with Coach Terry figuring out the identity by putting guys like Kendall Weaver in and having a seven-man rotation that you could trust, maybe IT Horton could get in there a little bit more to make it eight. Yeah, like that, that'd be ideal. Like I, right now, I give him seven minutes at best. Seven at best, and a lot has to be going on. Like Weaver or Hunter or Aismas, they might have to be in foul trouble in the first to where you you have to put IT Horton in. But, you know, seven man with Shedrick and Brock Cunningham coming off the bench to go with the starters and to Sue and Mitchell and Weaver and Aismas and Hunter. Hey, I'm good with that for now, but we'll see you tonight. They got a good opportunity to go four and two in this stretch, and if they do, they're showing that they could be a team that nobody wants to see in March. Yeah. I mean, after the win over TCU, our man Jerry Palm moved Texas from first four out to an eight seed. Yep. Yo. And Joe Lenardi. Don't, don't let Ole Miss get in. Because if they get an eighth seed somehow – because Ole Miss is around that spot, too. That's exactly what the committee's going to do for an 8-9 spot. You're right. That's exactly what they're going to do. I saw somebody talking about it on social media, and I was like, holy shit, that is exactly right. They are going to put Ole Miss there. And <laughs> I don't even know what. What you laughing for? Because that would suck. I don't want to see Beard at all. Like we, I love Coach Terry, but I know the coach that I would take in that matchup, the one that's proven, the one that's taken his team that shouldn't have been there to a national championship. You know what I'm saying? Again, love Coach Terry. He's family. I think he's doing a hell of a job, you know, these last few games and finally figuring out the identity for this Texas team. But if you had to put his squad versus that old Miss team, which that old Miss team is super athletic and super tough and gritty. Not much skill, but they got all of that. And yeah, I wouldn't like that one bit. Lenardi has Texas as a seven seed in Indianapolis going against Mississippi State. So Lenardi has Texas as a seven seed. Jerry Palm has Texas as an eight seed after the win against TCU so huge opportunity tonight Trey Elling for the Longhorns at the Moody Center I know and sadly it's on LHN so only a segment of the Longhorn population gets to watch it is it really yep I just saw ESPN I didn't see what kind of ESPN is going to be on Longhorn Network for this game now let me double check that because I did take BK at his word you know uh, how dangerous that can be I think you're right. Yeah. I uh, yeah. LHN baby. Yeah. I mean, the only good thing about that, you know, it's going to start on time. So <laughs> that's true. That is. Like, that is. <laughs> why can't they get that figured out? Just start these games fucking 15 minutes later, please. Two Stop. hours doesn't make any sense. No. Stop ripping on LHN. All right. Uh, you were giving LHN its first compliment in the uh, four or five months that TSU has been on the air. 
I know. You know that you're going to get to the broadcast on time. <laughs> KD, I still hear those uh, Longhorn Network infomercials that you voiced. I know. I'm not getting any, you know, coin for that, brother. Yeah, what are you doing? Come on, man. Come on. You're using these, you, need, you know, dulcet pipes here? Come on. I mean, yeah, I right. mean, this is gold. How dare you? Let's go. Let's go. I love it. All right, fellas. Hey, Chip, Chip, quickly. I wanted to ask you, so I'm doing research and going down the rabbit holes that all of us go down with sports. And SMU baseball, 80 on has been done. You're joining the ACC. Is SMU baseball going to get back? It needs to. Yes. It should have during the, you know, during the, the whatever bullshit Death you guys penalty. got. Yeah, well, I know, but I'm trying to help you out, like, a lot of people were doing that. So right. you guys right. got hammered for it. But yeah, you got the death penalty. <laughs> Do it in 87, 88, you know? Yeah. They need they need a place to play. Because okay. their campus yeah. is a little landlocked. It is, yeah. So they gotta figure it out and they could build another parking garage and tear down something else, you know. Right. But yeah, I agree. Needs to be a comeback, baby. Well, no. If, if you're in the ACC and you're SMU and you're getting Dallas kids, you're gonna you're, you're gonna get national right. really quickly. Right. Right. I agree. All right, guys. All right, y'all. Appreciate it. Peace.